0: So, um, years ago, I had a friend of mine who uh, was kind of a missionary, and he was out in the middle of a, a third world country, and he, and he said he came upon a scene, and in this scene there was a, a young man who um, had, had died, and his body was in the street, and, um, and the mom was there grieving, and, and this friend of mine told me that um, when he came upon this scene, he Went down and he prayed over this young man and he raised him to life. Raised from the dead. Okay. I saw all your faces when I said that. Because here's the truth. My guess is what goes on in your mind is the same thing that went on in my mind. Like if my friend had come and said, hey, I was on a mission, I was on this mission. And, um, and there was somebody who was sick, and we prayed, and he was healed. I'll be like, okay, i buy into that. I gotta be honest, raising from the dead? I don't know, It feels a little out there to me. It feels a little crazy. Um, I, I gotta be honest, my first response was disbelief. And um, you may point out some inconsistencies in that. Because you may say, Eric, I've heard you preach, Uh, And I've heard you talk about the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, You say you believe the Bible. Over and over in the Bible, there are people who get raised from the dead. How come you can believe in that, and not your friend raising somebody from the dead here and now? And to that I say, good point. Um, uh, I don't know, I don't know why, I don't know why that's hard for me to believe. Like. Uh, for some reason, it's not hard for me to believe the then part, but it is hard for me to believe the right here and now part. What's that about me? I don't know, what, I don't, but it's true because dead is dead. Am I right? Right. Dead is like the end. It's final. Dead is dead. There's no there ain't no coming back. And here's the thing. Every one of us have loved someone who passed and would have paid any amount of money to see them again, to see them raised from the dead. Everybody has that person. But it but it doesn't exist, because dead is dead. I'm pretty sure that's probably how Mary and Martha felt when their brother Lazarus died. A couple of sisters who loved their brother, and their, and their brother died, and they're pretty sure this is the end. So we're going to dig into this story today. And, but here's the thing, um, spoiler alert. Lazarus died and gets raised from the dead. Okay, just, just want to make sure that that's out there. Um, I'm going to guess most of you knew that. Um, but I, the, the truth is that I, wanna feel, I don't really want to focus on the raising Lazarus from the dead part. Today I want to talk about something that happened right before that. Um, and so we're going to jump into the story that, that uh, Jesus' friend John um, wrote down this experience that they had. And so here's how it goes. John chapter 11 starts with this. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick, and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And this Mary, whose brother Lazarus was now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. He's just saying, hey, remember that story I told you before? This is John. Remember that story I told you before about that lady who perfumed hair? Yeah, same lady. Okay, all right. Um, so, the sisters, Mary and Martha, sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. I'll keep going. When they heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for, the, it's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. It will not end in death. And that's not a lie, because it doesn't end in death. However, death is going to be a part of this, Right? Lazarus is going to die because you can't get raised from the dead unless you die first. But death wasn't the end. It will not end in death. Death is just a turning point. And then the other thing that matters right here is it said, no, here's the reason, the why of it all. It's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. The whole point of this, letting this happen, knowing that this is all going to happen, is that Jesus is going to get glory in the end. And then uh, it keeps going. Now, Jesus loved Martha. Martha. And her sister and Lazarus. It's clear in Scripture that he had a special relationship with this family. That these weren't just like uh, acquaintances that he had. These were were people that he cared for, people that he loved. He loved Lazarus and the the two sisters. Uh, Where am I at? Okay, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he jumped in really quick, as fast as he could, and got where he needed to be. No! He waited. He stayed where he was two more days with his buddies. I'm sure all the buddies were like, dude, what are you doing? Like, hello? And then he said to his disciples, OK, now it's time. Let's, let's mosey our way on back to Judea. I, now, you have to understand what's going on here. In the middle of all of this, Jesus is traveling from town to town. And what's the big thing he's doing? healing people like that's like his thing it's like what he does and so so uh, mary and martha do you, have you ever known anybody who's important have you ever known anybody who like who could get you concert tickets or anybody who like um, okay i i uh i used to back when i was a, when i was first on staff at our church I would go down to this coffee shop in Rockton and, and do work, and there was this girl who worked at that coffee shop who was super annoying. I mean, really annoying, and I'm trying to get work done. She, she's bored, it's middle of the afternoon, she just wants to chit-chat, and she's just like, like, she seems like a teenager, maybe, um, just chit-chat, chit-chat, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this girl is so annoying. Turns out, um, that girl is Danica Patrick. Um, and and so, like, (coughs) yeah, I know, I know. Here's the funny thing. She used to tell me all these stories about how she would travel the world and race cars, and I was like, she is such a liar. (laughs) Lord forgive me. Anyway, you ever know and then I I think, like, here's the thing. I wish I would have been nice, because maybe... Maybe I could get tickets. You hear what I'm saying? Like, uh, anyway, I, but I think I think that I think Mary and Martha, in a different way, I think they knew somebody who was important. And what if if Lazarus is sick? Thank God we know Jesus, right? Let's get Jesus over here. Not anybody can just text him. Hey, Jesus, come on over here. That's what they can do. And so they send word to Jesus, and the word is like it's really nice nicely written in here, but the truth is, the word is get your butt over here, Jesus. Get your booty where it needs to be, because Lazarus is going to die. Get here fast. And it's, It's impossible to read this without seeing that Jesus let Lazarus die on purpose. Right? That's pretty clear. Hard to argue with that. Jesus chose to let Lazarus die. And so he, he makes his way to Bethany, this little town, maybe two miles outside of the, the, the wall of Jerusalem. And, uh, and so Jesus uh, walks into town, and he, and he encounters Mary. And um, Mary's ticked, Right? What's wrong with you? I mean, does, she doesn't say that, but that's what's behind her, right? What the heck is wrong with you? You, you travel the world and you, you heal everybody who comes in contact with you and somebody who you love is dying and you don't even take the time to come and heal them? What's wrong with you? And then they go and get Martha. Martha walks up and gives them the same riot act. If you'd been here. If you'd, if you'd only been here. Jesus looks around, and he sees the pain that's going on all around him. Let's, let's hop back in to the story. John writes, when Jesus saw her weeping, Martha, and when he saw the Jews, everybody else who had come along with her, also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit. He was deeply moved in spirit. And he was troubled. Those are like super bible words for he was overwhelmed. Where have you laid him? Where's he buried him? Well, come and see, the Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Now, um, that little phrase, that little verse, one of my favorites, and the reason it's one of my favorites is because when I was a kid, when I was a kid, you had to, when you went to church, and it was like Sunday school, um, you'd go and you had to memorize scripture, right? And for however many <laughs> verses you memorized, you had to memorize a certain number of verses, and then you get to be at the pizza party or whatever at the end of the, of the semester, okay? So, so, anyway, but here's the thing, this is my favorite verse, because it's only two words, shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept, done! One checked off the list! I didn't, here's the truth through the whole thing, I didn't even, it never occurred to me what it really meant. It's just an easy thing to memorize. Jesus wept. It didn't mean anything. But The truth is, it is packed with meaning. It is chock full of meaning. Jesus wept. Because I want you to think about the moment. I want you to think about the moment that Jesus was in. Lazarus, his good friend, dead. He let him die, right? Everybody around him is upset, is mourning, is, is crying. Not only that, but everybody around him is mad at him. Everybody's mad at Jesus. But here's the weird thing about the moment. In the middle of all of that, Jesus had a secret, right? He knew what was about to happen. He knew what was coming. We're only moments away from Jesus telling Lazarus, come forth. Right? Right? We're, gonna, we're just moments away from that. And then everything changes. All of, the, all of the sadness turns to joy. All of the weeping turns to laughing. All of it changes. Right? So he knows we're just moments away from this. And in my brain, I would think, why are you so emotional? You know what's coming, right? You know what's going to happen at the end of this. Still, Jesus wept. So why did he, why did he cry? I mean, it seems a little weird to me. I mean, he's, he's God. He knows what's about to happen. He sees the whole perspective. Why did he cry? I mean, was it because of his friend's pain? Was, was it because he was sort of taking the blame for it all, or was it, was it more that he knew it was all his fault? That it was his choice that made this all happen? My guess is it was all those things. Um, he wept for his friends, even though he had the bigger picture. Can you hear this? He wept for his friends. Jesus wept for his friends even though he had the bigger picture. He wept for his friends, even though resurrection was just moments away. He lived in the pain with his friends. It didn't change. Knowing the end result didn't change. The feeling that he had for his friends right there in that moment, and I still believe that that's true of God. We look at God, we think he's this big, gigantic other. We don't really know what to think about him. He's, he's so huge. How can he possibly care about the little struggles that I have going on, that I believe that God is, God's character was reflected in Jesus, that he knows, he knows the end. He knows where life is going. He has an eternal perspective, but he still chooses to have emotions to have connection, to weep over the people that he loves. See, I believe that when your husband said the most painful thing and it cut you deeply, Jesus wept. I believe that when the doctor said the word cancer in your life and somebody close to you, their life was changed forever, Jesus wept. I believe that when a man trusted, took advantage of you when you were young. Jesus wept. I believe that when you lost your mom, or your dad, or your brother, or your child, and you didn't think there were any more tears left to cry, I believe that Jesus was weeping alongside you. He has all of the perspective. He knows what's coming, but he chooses to feel alongside you. Now, I know um, this is screwed up. There are so many screwed up things about the way that I think. But I'll just let you in on one of them today. Um, here's, here's my problem with all of this. And maybe you're like me. I'm sure most of you are emotionally um, in tune. But uh, in, in, my, in my life, I I've somehow learned and, and I somehow deep down believe that emotion. Equals weakness. I don't know if anybody else feels that way. That that allowing emotion to overtake me or to show it in front of other people kill me now. You know that emotion equals weakness, and I, I don't know how. I don't think my parents taught that to me. I don't. Um, I don't know how it all came about, but um, but I know there are a lot of you who are like me. Um, and I know it can, be a, it can be kind of a guy thing, um, but it is not only a guy thing, um, to try to stay away from emotion as much as possible. Um. There's, there's two things I want to say. If you're that person, I'm sure there are lots of people who are most stable in here, but if you're that person, if you're like me, and you have this thing inside of you that you have to fight that says that emotion equals weakness, the problem is that I look at God and I think how on earth can an all-powerful God who has all of this understanding possibly be overcome, overwhelmed with emotion to the point of tears? Because that feels like weakness to me. And so I want to say two things to people like us. So if you're not that, you can take a nap for a minute here, okay? But if you're like me, I want to say a couple things. Number one, we're wrong. I know that seems obvious to say, but to say to myself, this is wrong. To believe that emotion is weakness is just wrong. Look at Jesus. Jesus wept. We're just playing wrong. And the second thing I want to say is that we pretend, those of us who are like this, we pretend that we avoid emotion because we are strong people. But the truth is, we avoid emotion not because we're strong, but because we're afraid of it. That's the reality. We're afraid to allow emotion to overtake us. We're afraid... Um, we're afraid to be seen as emotional. I'm telling you, I'm, that's me. I hate that. We're afraid that we'll get overwhelmed by emotional, uh, emotion and we will find us ourselves out of control. We don't like having a lack of control. And so, we avoid emotion because we're afraid. Not because we're strong. Can I say that to you and me? I'm going to say, like, if I could have a hold a mirror right here, I'll say it to you and me. We do not avoid emotion because we're strong. We avoid emotion because we're scared. Look at Jesus. Here he is. In front of people. Feeling deeply. His heart was deep, his spirit was deeply Trouble, right? And then he cried. He wept. He felt deeply. But not only did he feel emotions deeply, he felt emotions for other people deeply. This wasn't his problem. This is the problem of the people that he loved. And so he took on the emotions of other people. But not only did he feel deeply, not only did he take on the, the pain and struggle of another person, but he was willing to show it in front of everybody. When he wept, everybody could see it, and we know it because they said, look at how much he loved Lazarus. He wasn't afraid to be seen as emotional. So I wonder... what breaks your heart. I wonder what wells up emotion in you. What breaks your heart? For me, a couple of weeks ago, it was when the Packers let go of Matthews and Cobb. Pray for me. But I, I know it's, it's seriously though. And sometimes you watch the news, right? And you see um, war-torn countries. See natural disasters and your heart breaks. People on people um, on my Facebook news feed show um, these uh, stories about uh, animal cruelty and it breaks their hearts. And people um, look at human trafficking. How can that not break your heart, right? Um, and if that's the kind of stuff that breaks our hearts, I wonder. I wonder if we could ask ourselves, what, what do we think breaks the heart of God? That's the kind of stuff that breaks your heart. What breaks the heart of God? Now, I believe that, I believe that Jesus is God, and so if we want to find out about God's heart, we can look at Jesus' heart. And here he sits in this place, in this Bethany, this little town, and I believe that we, it's pretty clear that his heart breaks over the suffering of the people that he loves. Jesus' heart breaks over the suffering of people that he loves, and I believe that's true of God. People who are following, I believe that um, every time a 7th grade boy is humiliated at school, God's heart breaks. I believe every time a young woman gives her heart to a young man and he breaks it, God's heart breaks. I believe that every time an addict falls off the wagon, every, every time a, a couple is overwhelmed by the weight of financial struggles, I believe that God's heart breaks. But if God's heart breaks over the, over the people that who, who know Him and love Him and follow Him when they struggle, if that is true, imagine... And those are the people who one day soon will be reunited with him, will be raised from the dead, that all things will be made right. You and I, as we follow Jesus, there will come a day when all things will be made right. And he can see all of that in the end. And if his heart breaks, even in that moment, imagine how his heart breaks for people who are far from him. If Jesus' heart broke for Lazarus' family... And Lazarus' friends, who literally would see him again in a matter of moments. you hear what I'm saying? If Jesus' heart broke for them, and and he knew that they would see him again in a matter of moments, imagine what his heart would do if death was final. If they would never see him again. Uh, when When I was a kid, I was 20 years old. That's still a kid if you're 20. Um, am I right? Yeah. Um, well, so I was 20 years old, and I was a youth pastor. What were they thinking? Anyway, I was a youth pastor when I was 20, and um, it, was a, it was a church up in Milton, and we, uh, we had a, an unbelievably great youth group, and it had literally nothing to do with me. We had all of the greatest kids in the world, and um, it was super fun, and they all invited their friends, and it was... It was like the first time I ever really experienced ministry um, the way I thought it could be. And uh, and so we would have Wednesday night youth group, and then we would have Thursday night Bible, or not Bible study, prayer meeting, prayer meeting, youth group prayer meeting. I'm telling you. And so um, I'm sure you're thinking, no kids showed up to youth group prayer meeting, and you'd be wrong. Every week, we had people show up, and we would, we would pray. That's all we would do. We'd show up. It'd be an hour or an hour and a half. We'd kind of share what's going on in our lives. We'd think about other things. We'd pray out loud with each other, and then we'd go home. That's kind of what we did Thursday nights. It was great. Um, one Thursday night, we're, we're there. We're praying. Uh, about 20 minutes in, uh, this girl walks through the door, and she's kind of new to the youth group. Maybe like just a few months. And she, uh, she was broken. I mean, she was bawling. She was so upset, and when we got to calm down, she told us um, that she was petrified because um, her brother had gotten in a major car accident that day, and, um, and he was in an ER, and he was in a coma, and they had no idea if he was even going to make it through the night, and she was, she was scared to death, and, um, and so she, she said, can we just pr- can we pray? of course you could pray for him, you know, and so we, we started praying, and I kind of let the kids take the lead, and they were praying, and, um, and in the course of it, we realized, um, she, she shared that she, um, she was most, she, she was <clears throat> petrified because, um, she had come to know Jesus just a couple minutes, months before, but her, none of her family knew Jesus at all, and she was scared to death that her brother was gonna die not knowing Jesus, so, um, and so we kept praying, and then there was, a, there was this little girl, Sarah Calhoun, who was praying, and I don't remember what she said, but I remember she was praying because um, I started to think about this boy. He was about my age, 19 or 20 years old, and I um, started thinking about his life. I started wondering what, you know, he probably had plans for that weekend, um, and then I started thinking about the fact that maybe this kid didn't know Jesus at all. And there he sat, like, living on the edge between life and death. And for some reason, here I am, I'm, I'm in this room with maybe 15 or 20 kids at the time, and, um, and I just lost it. Like, I, I don't know what it was, I'm not a big crier, um, but uh, I lost it. I started crying. And I'm not just talking about, like, a tear slipped <laughs> down my eye. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about, like, embarrassing crying. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like, wet crying. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, so, so I'm, I'm so embarrassed. I, I kind of get up, and I just say, guys, kids keep praying. I'm going to go into the other room. So I went into the other room, and I thought, I'm just going to pull myself together, and all it did was make it worse. I just couldn't stop crying. I couldn't stop thinking about this kid who was in this hospital bed, and I, I just, I didn't know what to do, and then I realized what I'm supposed to do. That there is this thing deep inside of me that it is... It, it's my calling today. I have to go and I have to share the gospel with this kid. And, um, and so Sorry. I kind of, that, that kind of pulled me together. I have a mission now, all right? So I'm gonna, I go around and I, I walk into the kids and I was like, hey guys, here's what's gonna happen. Can we pray? So they prayed and um, and I said, everybody go home. And so they went home and I got in my car and I followed Becky, the, the, the sister, I followed her to um, Mercy at the emergency room there walked in, and I, I told, I'm 20 years old, I don't know anything, I don't know what to say, I don't know anything about, I'm not a pastor really, like I'm just a 20 year old kid, and so um, so I walked into this hospital, and we walked up to the waiting room where the family was, and it was so awkward, um, and I just walked in, and I said, "I would you mind if I prayed with your son? And, um, and they were like, uh, you know, like I guess I'm not supposed to say no, but, um, and so they let me go. And so here and there, so I walked past them, and I walked into the room, and it was just me. And as I walked in, I saw the hospital bed, and this skinny kid, tubes coming out everywhere. You know, you've seen it. And, um, boy, I didn't know what to do, but I, I started to feel the tears well up again. And, um, and I walked around to the other side of the bed, and I grabbed his hand, and I said, I don't know you. And you don't know me. And um, I don't even know if you can hear me. But I have something I'm supposed to tell you. I started right there. And I told him the, told about the gospel. I told him about Jesus. I said, Jesus' heart is breaking for you. I said, um, Is. His gift to you was that he came and he lived a perfect life, but he, what he did in his life wasn't the most important thing. It was actually the very, and the very last thing he did was to give up his life for your sin, to pay the price for my sin, for your sin, and everybody's sin, and then he was put in a tomb and he raised again to life on the third day, showing us that there is hope after death. And you're sitting on the edge, and I don't know if this is getting through, but if you if you want to say yes to Jesus right now, this is it. This is the time. This is the spot. And so I said, I'm going to pray a prayer. I don't know if he even remembered. I don't know if he even heard. I don't know anything. And I, I said the prayer. And I, and I said, if you, if you believe it, say it in your heart with me after me. And I prepared, prayed the prayer. And I said, amen. And I let go of his hand. And I walked out of that hospital. And that night he passed away. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have no idea what happened. I don't know if, I don't know if he heard me. Um, but here's what I do know. I do know that that day, for the very first time in my life, God shared his heart for people who are far from him with me. Okay. That he let my heart break. what breaks his heart. And it put my life on a different trajectory. So I wonder, I wonder if you allow yourself, does your heart break (coughs) over the things that break the heart of God? I mean, I wonder if you think about your friends who are far from God. And I know we think about them and we love them. And there's a reason they're our friends. We like them. They're fun to be around. And we may even think, you know, someday, someday it'd be great. I mean, they're good people. They just don't think about God. Maybe someday it'll be great if they would just, you know, say yes to Jesus. And that's how we think about them. But my guess is, my guess is God has some different priorities in the way they think about He thinks about your friends. I'm sure he loves them. I'm sure he thinks they're great. But I also think he's desperate. I think his heart breaks. Over your friends who are far from God. They are not, they don't have a shot at the life that you have in Jesus. I think his heart breaks over my friends who are close to me but far from him. I I don't think it's too much to ask of my heart to break over the things that break the heart of God. And it doesn't have to be something huge. I mean, it can be huge, but it, it, I don't have to be the guy who eliminates human trafficking in the world, right? But I can be the guy whose heart breaks over the kids at Wilson Elementary School who have nothing. Kids who live in scary homes. Katie and I were just talking about it. Kids whose lives break the heart of God. Does it break my heart? I think uh, think every single one of us could use a a reboot on what breaks our heart to remind us that our hearts should break over what breaks his. But I I will also say this, I don't think that's enough. I don't think just feeling something, just, just getting all the feels... Is you know what we're what we're looking for? I, I think I think the feeling has to start something and because I believe that a broken heart needs to move us. A broken heart moves us to pray. Now, I'm not going to spend a bunch of time talking about this, because Kellen did that last week, I'm talking about praying um, for p- our friends and family who are far from God. But I, I do want to say this. If you want to know if your heart is really broken for people who are far from God, I believe that if your heart is broken, then you will be praying. And so if you're not praying, maybe, we, maybe that's where we need to start. God, break my heart over the people who break your heart. <laughs> Secondly, I believe a, a broken heart moves us to actually do something, to help. It's not enough to just feel something. I think, that, I think God, I'll tell you what, being down there at Wilson, it's hard. This week was hard. If you were, Autumn, am I right? It, we, Wilson was hard, but I'll tell you what, it's also amazing. It's, it's so fulfilling. But it's going to call some sacrifice out of us. If we're gonna, if we are going to let our hearts break over what breaks the heart of God, it is going to call sacrifice out of us. And finally, a broken heart moves us to invite. And I gotta say, there's something great about our heart, our broken hearts, moving us to pray and to help. But there is something eternal. And I'm not talking about just inviting to church, although that's fine. If that's how you, what I am saying is that if God has you in a relationship if you're close to someone who is far from God, God has you in that relationship, and maybe there's an opportunity for you to invite them to him. Maybe that looks like inviting them to church, and you could do that on Easter, or, you know, did you know that, um, did you know that 80% of people who don't go to church, if they are asked they say, all I'm waiting is to be asked. 80% of people. Now, schedules might not always work out. 80% of people say, if I was invited to church, I would go. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not saying that you shouldn't invite people to church. I think that's a great thing. But more importantly, what, and, and, and inviting people to church is just a step. Because really what we need to do, our broken heart needs to move us to invite them to Jesus. Because if Jesus is at work in our lives, and we have that amazing gift from him, man, if our hearts are broken over it, why wouldn't we be sharing and inviting people to him? So, there Jesus sat. There he was in Bethany, in the middle of the pain. In between Lazarus' death, and his resurrection, knowing what the outcome would be, but he didn't, he didn't push out the pain. He didn't ignore the emotion. He knew what was coming. He chose not to ignore the emotion. He let it in. He allowed his heart to be broken over the suffering of his friends. And then he showed him the power of the resurrection. I believe that's where you and I are right now. Here we sit in the middle of of our lives in the middle of pain and suffering all around us and i got to say it is tempting to close our eyes to it it's tempting to not want to let it in cuz sometimes it's overwhelming and it and it's it, we've told ourselves that it's it's strong to to keep it out but the truth is that's a lie We've got to learn not to push out the pain. It's a tough thing. We shouldn't ignore the emotion. We need to let it in. We need to allow our hearts to break over the things that break the heart of God. And then we need to let it drive us to pray, to help, and to invite. Needs to our broken hearts needs to need to take us somewhere. I gotta tell you, I look back on that night in that hospital, and um, there's something about it that I didn't like. I just the being overwhelmed with that emotion. It goes against what I you know goes against my my need to be in control. Um, but I'll tell you this. It not only shaped my life, my ministry, I believe it shaped this church. I believe it shaped this um, campus that night because God shared with me his heart. And my prayer is that God will share with you his heart for people who are far from him. Somehow, someway, it'll just it'll go from being something you know about to somehow you feel it. Let's pray together.